Today I want to talk to you about the power of a declaration. Have you ever made a declaration? We have, a, we have something called the Declaration of Independence. We told Great Britain that you're no longer going to bring us under your rule. Have you said those kind of words? Have you had a declaration in your life to say to the enemy, Satan, you will no longer have authority over my life? You know, it's amazing how many times we have to fight that in a given day. You know, doubt comes in and the enemy will plant seeds in us and and those seeds are contrary to the word of God and what God has spoken over us. And we have to keep redeclaring things. And I'm going to talk about some declarations you can make. I'm going to make it very practical and I'm going to reinforce it with scripture. But here's one truth that I want you to grab hold of and that is that God's dream for every generation is to prosper, is to flourish. I don't care what generation it is, and a generation, sometimes we define it as a certain age group, but in the Bible, a generation is those who are living in that time frame. So we are a generation that God wants to flourish and what God wants to bless. And we have to position ourselves in such a way that we understand and receive the blessings of God. You know, some things are automatic in our life and some things aren't. I mean, the air that we breathe, it's pretty automatic. Uh, we, we've lived here in, in the Los Angeles area long enough to know that we don't really trust air you can't see. <laughs> Amen? Amen. But also, uh, but you think you have, to, you have to step into some things. So I want you to be willing today, if God's Spirit speaks to you, to say, that applies to me, I'm going to step into that. I'm going to embrace that. I'm going to receive that. See, that's your part, is to say, I agree with God, and I want to receive what God is saying from his word. The other thing that we understand from Scripture is that generational blessings extend, extend your influence. You know, the Bible says in Exodus that, that to those who love God, and they raise up generations, and God will bless them to the thousandth generation. Can you imagine? You're, you know, you'll be fortunate if you get to see great, great grandchildren in your life. But imagine a thousand generations. Do you realize what you do today can affect generations to come for hundreds and thousands of years? What are you doing to ensure that they are blessed and they're living for God? And then generational blessings must be pronounced. If you're going to have a blessing on someone, on your child, on someone else, you want to pronounce that. You want to verbally speak that over them and let them receive that embrace that, sort through that throughout their lifetime. You may have heard me say, I I said to our son Josh one day, I said, I pray for a double spirit uh, uh, of God's Holy Spirit on you over me. And he said, Dad, for like five years, I hated that. Because I thought, how do I measure up? And I said, you don't measure anything. It's all about what God does in you. And now he's thankful for what I spoke to him. But initially, it was a little bit too much. Have you ever heard somebody really kind of compliment you and thank you on something and you feel super uncomfortable, right? And you say, no, I really would like more people to do that. Well, we'll try to arrange some things for you. But, uh, but if you've ever had someone speak over and you go like, oh, I mean, you know, no, don't worry about it. It's all great. But you see, sometimes what we do is we miss out on the blessing that God is speaking over us. We don't think it's for us. We don't think we deserve it. We don't know how that all fits together. But let me show you something. The word of the Lord over your life attracts conflict. Now let me explain. You see, there's always a competition over what we're going to believe. 
When God speaks something over you in his word like he loves you, there's always competition for the enemy who's going, he really doesn't love you. Look what you've done. You see, the enemy wants to steal the word spoken over you, and when God highlights something in your life, the enemy takes note, and he begins to plant seeds of doubt, and those weeds begin to grow up in your life around the good crop that God has over you, and there's a competition. It's always going on. And I really believe that some of the most contested words over your life are words like restore. I want to restore you. Or words like, I want to bless you. I want to protect you. God is going to work out all things for the good. Those are words that, are, that the enemy is always targeting and trying to contest in your life. You see, he, because he wants to strangle out the word of God implanted in your soul. What would happen if you would just take the Bible and believe what it said about you? You see, sometimes we don't know what it says because we, we haven't taken the time maybe to read it. And I just want to give you a, a cheater's list. Just go online and put in there scriptures that have to do with blessing me. And you'll probably see three or 400 that'll pop up. And just read through those and just say, God, I receive that. I receive that in my life. Because what you're doing is you want to embrace the word of God. Now, that's a quick way the old-fashioned way is start reading your Bible, and as God speaks, you embrace it. I'd say do both, amen? You want to jumpstart your faith a little bit, but you also want to invest in your future through the Word of God. See, the power of declaration cannot be under, underestimated. Have you ever had somebody said to you, hey, I really see this in you, and I think this is gonna, you're going to do great? And that was the one thing that kept you going in life? That was the one thing that motivated you was someone's word. And you may have said those same words to yourself, but it didn't have the same effect. The power of declaration. Let me give you a scripture, Job chapter 22 and 28. It says, you will declare a thing and it will be established for you. Before this service is over, I want you to declare some things over you, over your family, over your community, however the Lord leads you. Declare it over you and know that when you declare it, that's an act of faith. You see, just you speaking a declaration over you is saying, I believe that. Here's some things a declaration does. It, first of all, it shifts the atmosphere. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So whatever comes out of your mouth is going to be life or it's going to be death. And if you speak death over yourself, don't be surprised if life is not comfortable and easy for you. It doesn't mean that all your problems go away, that all your difficulties are challenged. But you see, what it means is you're saying, I'm choosing to walk in the power of God, not in the power of me. And the power of me gets tired pretty easy. How about you? Like, I can get worn down, frustrated, impatient pretty easy. But you see, I want to rely on him. I want, to, I want the Spirit of God to be my strength. So what I do is when I speak blessing over me, I'm speaking it out in my future, and then as I walk, I'm walking into my future blessing. The same is true on the other. If I speak cursing over me, if I speak negative over me, death over me, that's going out into my future, and I'm walking into those things that are going to bring me down. And we've all had those experiences probably, right, where you've just said, man, I don't know, life's just not going well for me. I don't know what to do. And, and, and you don't realize that what's happening, not only are you prophetically saying things over your future, 
But the, the speech center of your brain controls all your nervous system. So your nervous system literally responds to the words that come out of your mouth. You see, and the interesting thing is Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs thousands of years ago. He didn't have the access to scientific equipment and studies like we do today, but he knew because the wisdom of God said, whatever you speak out of your mouth is going to either be life or it's going to be death. Now, here's how you can help each other. When you're speaking, when your friend, when your spouse, when your girlfriend, when your neighbor speaks something death, say, could you re- redirect that in a positive way so it's speaking life? Because you, we get habits, right? We get habits. I remember I was pastoring in Louisiana, South Louisiana, and there was a guy, and every third word started with a F letter. And even the compliments to my sermon had that letter in it. That was a good, you know, and he would tell me that. And I you know, and I'm trying to help this guy because he's real. And I said, you know, do you realize how many times you use that word? He said, what word? And I said, the F word. He said, oh, I don't use that word. I said, you used it five times the last five minutes. He said, I wasn't aware of that. He had developed a habit. It became a part of his life, and he didn't even know he was practicing that negativity in his life all around him. And when he became conscious of it, he would stop and go, oh, sorry, preacher. I said, that's okay, you're learning. You just didn't say sorry. You used to not be aware of it. Once you become aware of speaking life or speaking death of your life, you'll stop and go, wait a minute, God, I want to redirect that into something that's life. Another thing that a declaration does, it ignites your faith. Let me read to you from the book of Hebrews. It says this, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now this scripture, if you don't just kind of rest on it a little bit, it'll, it'll pass you by and you'll miss the power of it. Your faith is the substance of what you're believing God for. It's not, the, it's not seeing it makes your faith. Your faith precedes the evidence. You see, so faith is my substance. It's the, it's the foundation on which those things which I'm hoping for, dreaming for, praying about are going to happen. And faith is very other world, isn't it? I mean, you think about faith, sometimes in the, in the world people use the word faith apart from God. They'll say, I just have faith everything's gonna work out. Faith in what? Faith in time, faith in experience, and I always like to ask people when they tell me that, I say, well, how's that worked out? If Every time you said that, has that worked out really well for people? Well, not really, because faith has to have an object. Your object has to be God. I'm gonna put my faith in God. God, I trust you for this. And whenever you go, go public, have you ever gone public with what God's gonna do? The first thing you do is you get nervous. See, I just said God is going to do this, and now you begin to think about it. I wish I wouldn't have told everybody because now everybody's asking me what God's doing in my life, right? And you start dodging people, right? It's been a month. Hey, how's it going? Oh, yeah, great, great. Still waiting in the fight, in the battle. But inside of you, what's happening is there's something you're losing. You're losing some of your faith. Because you think you're, you're, it's all about the evidence. It's all about the reality of that thing coming true. It's not. It's about your persistence in the matter and waiting it out until you see the hand of God. Some things happen very quickly in faith. Some things take a long time. But if you look back over your life, you go, you know, I can't believe this happened, this happened, this happened. I mean, I could look over our life and say, there are things that I prayed about, thought about, and forgot about. How about that one? 
You ever forgot about some stuff and all of a sudden it came to you and you go, well, I prayed about this. I believe God for this. You see, you forgot, but God didn't. Think about that. You forget, but God doesn't forget. Your prayers are stored up in heaven and waiting the release at exactly the right time. Another scripture in Hebrews chapter 11. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You see, God is not, God ultimately is looking for your faith. You say, well, doesn't God want me to be like a hard worker? Sure. Doesn't God want me to cry and weep? Sure, that's fine. But that's not what he's looking for. You see, faith solves all the problems. If you have faith in God, then the problems don't seem so big because now your God is bigger than your problem. If God is small, your problems seem big, and you always ask yourself, what am I going to do? How am I going to get through this mess? You know, and that's pretty common for us, isn't it? Us earthlings. We look at life and go, like, this is tough. How do I get through this one? And the first thing I do is I call my friend. What do you think? Yeah, you're in trouble. Oh, you're a great help. Oh, yeah, I went through that once, and it, I totally sunk me. Oh, my gosh. You know, but then I go to God. I go, God. He goes, I've got this. I've got this. It goes on to say that he, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. What is that? I believe that God is, that God exists. The God of the Bible is a true God. He exists. And it goes on to say, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Do you know God is a rewarder, God? In other words, if I, if I follow in the path of God, God says, let me help you along the way. Let me make your life easier. Let me provide for you along the way. And every time that you see a miracle of God, it was always preceded with a problem. Amen? How many of you hate problems? Raise your hand. Be honest. That's good. Most of you are being honest. How many of you, let's try it one more time. How many of you hate problems? Go ahead, raise your hand. Okay, but what if, what if the problem was the avenue to your miracle? What if the only way you were going to see the outpouring of God and take you to the next level in your life was a problem? Could you view problems differently? Could you look at a problem and say, God, I don't like this, but I know what it's working in me to bring me to a place of miracle in my life? And it really is a difference in perspective. It's a, it's a God-word perspective versus a man perspective. Because in my humanness, in my flesh, I look at problems as distractions, burdens, challenges, and all those other things. But if I get a God perspective, God says, I'm working out all things for the good. To those of you who love me, those of you who are called according to my purpose, I'm working these things out. Would you trust me in this? Because I'm going to reward you for this. I can look back over life and remember times where I said, God, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I remember when we first started pastoring, I just thought if I could get a raise of $50 a month, I would be living high. $50. That's like five trips to the coffee shop anymore, Amen. I mean, $50, and I remember we got the 50, we got $51. The church gave us a $51 raise a month. I was so happy. It took me about four seconds to realize I needed more than $50. <laughs> Have you ever had that experience? If I could just get here, things will get better. Things will get easier. And what we try to say around here is you just have to learn how to do hard better. Easy doesn't always come, does it? Sometimes easy, it looks like it's easy, but wait till you get the water bill on that greener pasture you've just been given. Amen? 
So we were, uh, uh, we just got back from Europe, and a couple of years ago, before COVID, we were planning to go to Spain, and we bought these tickets on Norwegian Air. I want to encourage you to not support them. <laughs> but we bought these tickets, and then, of course, COVID came. We couldn't fly. And uh, then Norwegian made a decision, we're not going to fly from the United States anymore. All right, so you can have, but you can fly over Europe as long as you fly through Oslo, Stockholm, or Copenhagen. Well, now it's getting more complicated. And they said, as a way to reward you, we're going to add, we're going to give you $38,000 worth of miles. Well, that sounds really good unless you can't use them. So we got, we said, Tammy, we're going to fly into Stockholm. I don't even want to go to Stockholm, but we're going because I'm going to use some of these airline tickets up. We fly in there. I get first class tickets because I've got free miles, right? First class tickets. I pay for everything extra. I want the food, the Wi Fi. I want everything. You know how much it cost me? $500. I have $38,000. You know what this is? A white elephant. <laughs> Sometimes blessings, they come in abundance, but you can't use them. Other people say, well, I can use them. Can you transfer those to me? Well, we'll see about that. But, but you see, when God brings you abundance, ask yourself, God, what do I do with this? How do I manage the abundance that I have in my life? Because most people, what they do is they don't manage it well. They just store it up for themselves. If you've got extra love, you need to give that love. You've got extra time, you need to give that. You've got extra resource, you need to give that. You see, don't hoard it. Use it for the kingdom of God. Amen. All right, listen to this scripture. I love this one. Isaiah 30, verse 18. Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. Can you imagine God is waiting? He said, I want to be gracious to you, to you, to you, to you. I'm waiting. I'm waiting on you. God waits on you. Blessed are those who wait for him, expect and look and long for him. So what's my role? What it says here, expect, look, and long for God. God says, I'm ready to release all kinds of blessings to you. Blessings that you've been praying about, you've been thinking about, you've said things like, wouldn't it be wonderful if, God says, I want to do that for you. It's just like your children. If you're a parent and you love your children, you're a decent parent, you want your kids to just have fun and enjoy life. You don't want them to feel miserable. You don't want them to you know, do without. And you just say, how can I, and they come to you and they say, I really want this. And then you're, you're trying to also manage this, this raising up children, right? And not spoiled brats. So you're trying to raise up good kids, right? But what do you do? You say, I'm going to do everything I can to make that possible in your life because you have the right attitude, you have the right heart, and it's going to be good for you. Do you think your heavenly father's any different? He's even better than that. If he's waiting to be gracious to you, let's go ahead and follow this pattern of expect, look, and long for him. In other words, live in the presence of God. Declaration also creates a legacy for the next generation. Psalm 112, verses 2 through 12, the generation of the upright will be blessed. Now notice, it doesn't say the generation will be blessed. It says the generation of the upright. In other words, follow after God. Wealth and riches will be in his house. Do you know that God promises wealth and riches? You say, well, I'd like to get some of that. Amen? Well, but it's, it's a promise in Scripture. It's a declaration. You could take this Scripture, and you could declare it over you and your household. You could say, God, I declare Psalm 112 over my household. And every day you get up, and you just say, you, you just write the Scripture out, and you, or print this out, and say, the generation, I will be the generation, I will be the generation of the upright. 
God, you said you'd bless me. I expect blessings. God, you said wealth and riches will be in my house. I expect wealth and riches. My righteousness will endure forever. Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. God, I will be light in a dark place. I will be full of compassion and I will be righteous. See, that's a declaration. I'm taking scripture. God said it. I'm going to believe it. Sometimes when I'm praying, I remind God what he's written in the scripture. Not that he needs a reminder. I need, to, I need to hear myself remind God about what he said to me. God, this is your promise. I believe it, and I receive it. Now, get, let's get this train moving, amen? Let's see what you can do in my life, God, because your word is true. You know, just, uh, just last year, we celebrated our 10-year anniversary as a church, and uh, it was our first decade, and we said in this first decade was really pioneers. There were people that were trying to buy a building, and now we have two buildings. We have a third building across the street that we lease, and uh, we just said, we did, we're, we're the pioneers. But in the second one, starting in 22, we said, we're going to be the next 10 years are going to be builders. We're going to find ways to build. And little did we know that over that first 10 years, we would, we would pioneer things like a record label. We would pioneer things like a clothing line. Uh, we would pioneer things like, um, you know, like this church and, and all the ministries we do around the world and, and missions. Um, and little did we understand that we would even pioneer a school. We, have a, uh, we, we just added this year through eighth grade. So now we've gone from nothing a year ago through eighth grade, and we've expanded across the street. We're, we've got this side of that building full. We're going across the street, and that's, that's what builders do. They say, how can we build for the future? Some of you have built businesses. You know what that's like. You know, my friend Ray, he always said, when you start a company, the only thing you're really concerned about on the first day is where's the stapler? You know, it's just the, it's the simple things. It's the easy things, amen? Like, how do I get this thing started? And once you get it rolling, you say, okay, now how can I build for the future? You know, when I, when I, when I saw the list, I had no idea we we're going to have that many to dedicate. And some of them actually decided to opt for December uh, baby dedication. But I said, there's like 20 families here. That's a lot of babies. That's a lot of children at one time. You know what that is? That's, we have a stewardship as a church over those families. We have a responsibility over those families. We have a responsibility to, to build. I want to show you a video here for iKids. You saw earlier for our youth. Now I want to show you iKids. I want to show you what we're doing now, and I think you're going to find it exciting. Influence Church family, my name is Taylor and I'm the children's pastor at Influence Church. It's such a joy to share the great news of what's going on in our children's ministry. As many of you know, our children's ministry has been experiencing incredible growth. It's a testament to the faithfulness of God and the love that permeates this community. We are witnessing families finding a home here and our little ones encountering the love of Jesus in profound ways. And it's with that excitement and gratitude that I wanna share some great news with you today. Our children's ministry is expanding. We wanna create a space that not only accommodates our growing numbers, but also provides an atmosphere where our kids can continue to learn, play, and experience the love of Christ in a more impactful way. Our goal is ambitious, but we serve a God who is more than able. 
I'm asking each of you to prayerfully consider how you can partner with us in this endeavor. Whether it's a one-time donation, a monthly commitment, or contributing your time and skills, every bit counts. Let's be a church that invests in the future, that sows seeds of faith into the hearts of our children. Together, we can make this vision a reality. Thank you, Influence Church family, for your unwavering support. Let's build something amazing for our kids and for the glory of God. Amen. So what we did, we just recently signed a lease that uh, we'll occupy uh, on November 1st. The building won't be done across the street at that time, but we're literally doubling the worship size. Uh, Taylor told me, said, we, don't, we ran out of chairs uh, we don't have any space, and they're crammed in there. And so we just said we have to make we have to make a move in the right direction. And we, by faith, stepped into that. And uh, now we have we've gone from one suite to three suites over there, and uh, it's an exciting time to be in. And you know, as I was thinking about this today, I was thinking, you know, God kept pushing me on this thing. You're preaching on declarations. I, I want you to make a declaration. I said I don't want to. Hey, have you ever done that? Like, God, you know it's right, but you just don't want to step in it, you know? It's just kind of like, I don't want to go there, God. And God says, no, I want you to make a declaration because we have a need, and we want to make it a first-class kid space. As you, I don't think I have to convince you about the need of, of raising up children. We've got, children is not a problem around here. We've got plenty of children, amen? And God keeps giving us more and more and more, and we're so grateful to be able to steward those well. And so here's a declaration. Um, we need $103,000 to move forward in this. And I'm going to ask you right now where you sit, where you stand, if you're online, if you're part of our online congregation, I'm going to ask you to help us reach that goal this week. You know, and it's, uh, you say, well, that's a lot of money. I don't have that much money. Well, some of you have a little and some of you have a lot. And I want you to, I want, I want you to give commensurate with what you have. You say, well, I only have like $50. Well, $50 will buy a chair. That would be great. You say, well, I have $50,000. I said, well, that would help a lot. And I, and I never, you know, it, it's funny when you, when you talk about big numbers, people laugh. It's not, you got to remember that, that God is the one that, that blessed us with wealth. It's not about us. Whatever God gave us, God can take away. But when we're generous, when we're sacrificial in our giving, God blesses us so much. Let me show you a couple of artist renderings from a man in our church did these for us just to kind of sketch it out and say, what's it going to look like? And this is kind of the game area room uh, where the kids will be able to go and play and have a good time and, and uh, you know, some activity areas that we'll have in there. So it's not just a big box for kids. It's, it's really designed with kids in mind. Uh, a stage where it'll have a backstage where they can actually uh, do dramas, they can do skits, they can, they can really per, you know, be on stage. We already have worship leaders. We already have, believe it or not, we already have kids that are preaching the sermons. These are uh, our granddaughter, Gracie Bell, uh, last week preached a sermon, uh, and she just turned six years old today. I want you to remember back, what were you doing when you were six years old? You probably weren't preaching the, you know, the, uh, a message. Because see, what we're doing is we're not trying to entertain kids. We're trying to raise up young champions for Jesus Christ. We're trying to bring kids into the fullness of the power of God. 
We're trying to transform their lives so they transform their schools and their communities. So whatever endeavor they go into, whether it's you know, the teaching school or whether it's working in a factory or whether it's politics or whether it's business, whatever it might be, they have, they're so well grounded, they don't have to start learning like many of us did as adults. See, that's what I had to do. I was saved in college and, uh, and I didn't have this legacy of being raised up learning about prayer, learning about worship, being able to articulate the word of God. But when you do that, it's transformational. And that's why we're seeing so much power in those kids, why we're seeing them pray and they become powerful warriors of God. So here's what I want to ask you to do. On the app today, you can go to New Kids Space or New Kids Room, and you can donate there, or you can text me and say, Pastor, here's my number. You say, you're giving your, t- your phone number? Absolutely. Absolutely right? And uh, I know last time when we, two years ago, when we raised a million, two dollars for our, uh, $200,000 for our building next door, we had people that were watching online, never been here, and they sent in very generous gifts. So we know that our online audience, we know people here, uh, we know that there's the capacity here. So I'm going to ask you, and by the way, I know, the, I know how this works. That kind of number doesn't happen unless there's three or four of you that give a large gift, That's what it takes to hit that level, okay? So I wanna ask you today, I'm gonna make a declaration. We're gonna get this $103,000 this week, amen? All right. Another declaration I wanna give you. It's this one. And this, to me, is the favorite one. A declaration that sets in motion your destiny. I wanna talk about destiny in two ways. I wanna talk about number one, if you're a believer, you know without a shadow of doubt Jesus Christ is coming to your life, that you're saved, that if you died today, you'd go to heaven. You have a destiny here on earth that God is interested in. God has a plan for your life to where you can not only prosper, enjoy your job, enjoy your life, but you also can leave a legacy for the future. That is part of a destiny. That is finding your role and your place in life. Some people say, I don't even like my job. You don't have to like your job. Look at it as a cash flow and find your destiny apart from your job if you need to. But always say, God, what do you want for me? God, where do you want me to go? And the second part of this is the really exciting one, and that is that there's a destiny God has for every person. He wants every person to know him, to be a believer in Jesus Christ. The Bible calls that being saved or being born again calls it entering into the kingdom of God. There's a lot of ways that that's described, but it always happens in a moment in time. A moment in time where you say, I believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross, was buried and rose according to the scriptures on the third day, and that he sends the Holy Spirit of God into my life to save me when I call upon his name. You see, it takes that moment in your life You have to have that assurance that there was a time in my life where that took place in my life. You may not know the exact hour, exact day, but you know it happened. And you you know it happens because your life is different from that point on. Not perfect, just different, better, lined up with God. Let me give you a scripture. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, notice the promise, you will be saved. You see that promise? So what do I say? God, I want to confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus. I want to believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead. And here's the promise. You will be saved. It doesn't say you might be. 
says you will be. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So this is something I do verbally. This is something I say with my mouth. I believe Jesus was buried, was killed on the cross, was buried, and rose from the dead on the third day. I confess him as my Lord, as my Savior. Now, you might say, well, I think I've done that. If you think you've done it, you want to be sure you've done it. You don't want to have a, you know, kind of I think so kind of religion. You want to have a no so kind of religion. I know that that happened in my life. And uh, I'm going to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. So would you stand with me right now? And I want to invite you to pray this prayer. I want to invite you in to the very presence of God. To find the love of God, the salvation that's found in Jesus Christ. Our only hope, our only life is knowing him. And we know him through faith. So I'm going to pray a prayer. You're going to repeat the words out loud. And if, if this resonates with you in your heart, in your faith, you say, this is my faith, your words, but my faith. I'm just guiding you and helping you on the journey. So let's pray this out loud. If you've, if you've already said, I've already prayed it, well then pray it out loud to encourage the person next to you that may not have that courage or may not have prayed that prayer. It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. He was buried in a tomb and he rose from the dead to give me life. By faith, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Save me, Lord Jesus. Now in your own words, just right where you stand or sit, would you just thank him for keeping his word? He said, if we confess with our mouth, he will save us. If that was your word, just thank him in your own words right now. Now, if that was your prayer for the first time, I want you, I have good news for you. The Bible says there's more angels in heaven that rejoice over one person that comes into faith. Think about that. That God rejoices in that decision. If that was your prayer today, you prayed and received Christ. The Bible says this, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father, which is in heaven. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father, which is in heaven. Public confession is a major part of salvation. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to lift your hand and say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer today. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Just lift your hand high. Amen. Amen. Father, I pray that you will take every person in this house, God, that you will bless them. God, that you will empower them by your spirit. Father, that we will walk out our faith. And God, we will walk in truthfulness and righteousness all the days of our life. May you bless uh, this family of God in Jesus' name.